Welcome. Welcome to Beatitudes Worship Podcast. My name is Tony Minear. I am the pastor here at Church of the Beatitudes. And when we decided to come up with this worship podcast, the reason why I thought about it was I enjoy listening to podcasts. And when I have listened to podcasts in the past from churches, what it primarily is is the sermon that was taken from the main worship service. And it was, it was good, but it left me somewhat missing something. So we decided to create a worship experience that was really geared for the ear. Now, if you're watching this either on YouTube or Facebook Live or the church's website, you get to kind of have an advantage because you get the visual side of it. But the main purpose of this was to create something that people could take on the go, they could listen to. Well, the other idea that spurred this was I was fortunate enough to meet our, the founding minister at Church of the Beatitudes. His name was Culver Nelson. He went by Bill. That man was far ahead for his time. Some of the things that he wrote, uh, some of the things that he talked about really made a difference. So what I decided was once he had passed away, his family gave me his sermons. So for this podcast, what we do is we take those sermons and I look at what he said 30, 40 years ago, and then I look at where we're at today as a culture, where I'm at as a person. And it's a blending of the two. There are times when it's maybe two-thirds Bill and the rest is me, and other times it's a two-thirds me and the rest is Bill. But it's given me an opportunity to engage with someone who was, again, ahead of his time and take those ideas and say, how do they impact us in the 21st century? The other thing that I was looking for when we created this podcast was a dialogue. Sometimes after a sermon, I'm left scratching my head going, well, I wonder how that went. And, you know, the majority of people, as they walk out, they're going to tell you, good job, good job. Um, occasionally, if, if, if your sermon was really bad, they're probably not going to say anything or they're going to go out <laughs> the other door. Right, Janelle? Yes. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the reality. So I thought this would be a great opportunity to have a worship podcast that immediately after the monologue went into a dialogue and also would encourage individuals to have an opportunity to also chime in, to give their ideas. So instead of the monologue just being one person's endeavor to share ideas, it could be a group idea. So I was fortunate enough to have an individual who was interested in helping me with this, and her name is Janelle. So good morning, Janelle. Oh, good morning. How are you on this Sunday morning? I'm doing well. I'm looking forward to the day. Do you have any plans after we're done with worship? A big old nap. A big old nap. So what's the <laughs> difference between a big old nap and a little nap? Other than, is it just time? Time. Just mostly. time. Okay. <laughs> yeah, this is quite early for me. Yeah, you're, so you're, you're more of a, a night person than a morning person. No. No. Well, COVID has certainly changed my routines. Explain. 
Well, <laughs> I have a daughter at home who's homeschooling, and um. because of that, we can start whenever we want. So we've chosen 10 in the morning. Wow. So getting myself here before that time is the challenge. And it's 849. So. 849 Arizona time. And that by mm -hmm. itself is very unique. Yes. Because Arizona time is literally Arizona time. Right. Yeah. Hence the nap. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> well, we invite you to stay tuned. And when you come back from this little break, you're going to hear our monologue. In the late 15th century, a man named Savonarola terrorized the city of Florence. What was interesting about that was that he was a monk who lived an austere life and insisted that all follow his example. And so he and his followers went about destroying priceless works of art, shattering statuary and burning literary masterpieces. I do this, he thundered, because such things hinder the life of the spirit. In the century following, a conquistador named Pizarro terrorized the people of Peru. He sought gold with which he could return to Spain a conqueror and a hero. And so he plundered the land of Peru of priceless works of art, which had been wrought in gold, melted that gold down into plain blocks of metal. I do this, he declared, so that I might win the praise of my sovereign as well as my fellow countrymen. Skip ahead to the 20th century. A man named Gandhi he lived a Spartan life. He was concerned for things of the spirit. One time he was asked how he expected to speak of spiritual things to those who were hungry, the hungry masses. And he answered, I speak not so much of spiritual things, for when a man is starving, God can only come to him in the form of bread. And then this. In a television series which became a book, Abba Eban traces the history of the Jewish people. But when he comes upon the medieval monks, he offers a curious observation. They were re remarkable men, he writes, whose lives alternated between the spiritual things and the flesh. They prayed fervently part of the time, and for the rest of the time, they were the finest farmers in Europe. Now, each of the above illustrations is to one point. Our human history, there has been a constant tension between the material world and the spiritual, between what is often called flesh and spirit, body and soul, between what is described metaphorically as earth and heaven. You see, Savonarola prioritized the spirit and for the most part, 
excluded the material, the secular. Bizarro, on the other side, he prioritized a wealth, materialism, over the well-being of others, if you would, the spiritual. But then Gandhi and those medieval monks, they realized that when the material and the spirit are intertwined in one's life and within culture, life works much more effectively. When I look back and I ponder the life of Jesus, it became apparent to me that Jesus also blended the material necessities of life with the spiritual. He grasped how both are a vital part of living. Indeed, he contrasted with John the Baptist, whom he said came neither eating or drinking, while the Son of Man, he came doing both. Jesus was a commonly found individual at festive occasions. He ate with both friends and strangers. He was constantly concerned for the well-being of others. He spoke of money, how to get it, how to use it. So far from rejecting the world, Jesus seemed to embrace it. Jesus spoke, as does most of the biblical narrative, of a world created by God to be taken seriously. He seemed to say as well that one must not become preoccupied with any other world to the ne neglect of this world. So when we reflect back on our origin, we realize that our ancient ancestors first became human through the material world, the aid of material resources. They remained human through what we call the spiritual world. In the moment of greatest temptation in the life of Jesus, he said, humans cannot live by bread alone. Art and business and religion, which have to do with the ways in which we connect with one another, if you would, the spiritual realm, are as crucial to a human being as food and shelter, the material realm. If we were only animals, the loincloth and the caves, eh, they would suffice. But we're homo sapiens. And as humans, we need more. We need beauty and truth. We yearn for a sense of justice and freedom. We cannot live without dignity and decency for very long. And these hungers that we feel inside, these are spiritual hungers, and they are what keep us human. We need both of these. We need both worlds, the world of flesh and spirit, the body and the soul, this world and a larger world that exists in the mind of God. And as a result, if that creates within us a, a terrible tension, to live in both worlds at once 
is that very tension which keeps us most alive and keeps us most human. You see, if we flee the world and live only in the spirit, something will be missing. If we live only in the flesh, something also will be missing. You neglect either part of your being, or should I say your becoming, and you are likely to become lopsided, at odds within yourself. And the real you will not be there when you go looking for yourself. A friend of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, that heroic Lutheran pastor who defied Hitler and ended up being hanged for it just days before the war's end in the concentration camp at Flossenburg, he wrote of Bonhoeffer, his friend, and he said, he laughed a lot and he knew how to cry. He enjoyed good food and loved to share it. He was alive in every pore of his body and also forever sensitive to the pain of others. He loved this world and he loved God. And he went to God with a cheerful countenance. What was said of Bonhoeffer was true because he was able to embrace both the material and the spiritual, flesh and spirit, body and soul, both what is described metaphorically as heaven and earth. And in doing so, he lived to his fullest. And so it is now up to each and every one of us Will we live within that tension? Or will we choose to focus just on the spiritual or just on the material? If we do so, we will not be embracing the full potential of what it means to be a human being as expressed and lived out in the life of Jesus.
So that was quite a monologue. And I am left wondering this, this, I kind of looked into this, you know, this week mm -hmm. after you told me what the subject was. And to me, it just resonated when you talked about balance, mm. the balance between the two. Yes. Not so much the tension as much as the balance. And so for me, it took me down this road of looking more into the spiritual end of this. So yeah. I started out with the charismatic tradition. Okay. And then that led me down to mysticism. Oh. Which I found very interesting. Quite a journey. Yeah. And so uh, there is an expert today on mysticism. His name is Bernard McGean. Oh, or okay. McGinn. And he's uh, a good he friend. Said, a good friend of yours? I don't know him. Sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> but he did say that it's really a process and that it's not just a mystical union experience, but a life lived. Mm. So what did that mean to you? So that, that to me is balance. It's the balance between the two. I think that's interesting that I never, the word balance didn't come to mind and I, I didn't find it in Bill Nelson's sermon. He talked more on the idea yes, of, of tension. <laughs> well, he did talk about balance. Did he? Yeah. At one point. Okay. You I, said it's a balance. Uh, Maybe it was you. I think that was more me. Okay. I think what Bill was talking about was this idea of tension mm -hmm. that is actually rooted back in the New Testament. Oh, explain. In Galatians chapter 5, mm -hmm. it's a text that I've preached on many times. But having read this sermon and, and worked with it mm -hmm. and internalized it for myself, it this then created a tension because of the text. The text talks about this tension. Now, all of a sudden, the the monologue talked about the idea of finding a, a balance. Yeah. But listen to the text. It yeah, says, I say, please read it. I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of of the flesh for the flesh lust against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. Mm -hmm. They are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. And then he says, now the works of the flesh are revealed, which are these. And then he goes on and he says, after that list, but the fruit of the Spirit is, and then he lists those. So I think that's for, for me, that tension between mm -hmm. the Spirit and the flesh. And I think that's what maybe Bill Nelson was pulling on. Yeah. Which means that he was really taking issue with what Paul said yeah. in Galatians, Galatians 5. right. So how does that then tie into this idea of balance? Maybe balance is the ultimate goal. Once you get through the tension, mm -hmm. maybe you can find a sense of, of peace with the balance idea. Yeah, I think that's probably true. I, I found Hugel, mm -hmm. a philosopher, said that religion has three parts, in institutional, intellectual, and mystical. And religion should balance all three of those. So those three again? Institutional, 
intellectual and mystical. So which of those would you, the mystical side would be the spiritual. Do you, Mm -hmm. do you put the other two as being material or do you think they are also spiritual? Probably a little about the institutional, I would say is more material. Material. Okay. Whereas the intellectual. Yeah. Which comes to, uh, well, I did read Francis Assisi. Mm Mm-hmm. St. Francis of Assisi, sorry. He was the first of the Italian mystics. And he felt deeply and internally in his gut, which the Greeks back then referred to that as splenaxna. <laughs> Help me. Good effort. <laughs> Can you tell me? How no, to I say can't. It? I don't I can't see okay. the word, so go ahead. <laughs> splenaxna or inner parts. Uh-huh. The nobler entrails, the heart, the lungs, and the liver. Yes. When moved to compassion, you feel it in your guts. And I, that's, that's a real blending to me of material and spiritual. If you're feeling it physically, wouldn't that be more material? Wow. Yeah. I don't I, know. I, I mean, I think you, when you stop and think about... What we typically see within religion mm-hmm. is not all religions, but a, a, a significant portion of those tend to either speak to the one, the mind, right, or they play with the emotions. Mm-hmm. And while I'm not a big fan myself personally, I find that those who are in the charismatic tradition, Mm -hmm. they bring the body into that experience. So it's not only just the mind, but it's also the body. And and if I guess my one critique would be is I I wonder sometimes if they have gone so one direction that it's the emotional and Mm. and the body Whereas other churches have gone to the opposite direction where it's very heady and maybe there is a balance between those two. Right. George Fox, a Quaker pastor, said, mind that which is of God in you. So that that speaks to that, I think. Um, Divine and human cooperation together. Yeah. There's a guy named um, Peter St. Andra. And he said the following, there exists no supernatural realm, no spiritual aspect of existence divorced from the physical. In Mm. fact, all spirituality that we know is human spirituality, a human response to nature, including human nature and our fellow human beings. So what he is arguing, I think, which is interesting, is he's saying that when it comes to spirituality, it cannot be experienced outside of the natural realm or what Bill Nelson calls materialism. You can't separate the two. Okay, right. That that's you. You have to have them both present. Mm-hmm. But I think that's why sometimes it creates this tension when you look at what Paul was talking about in Galatians five. Yeah. It creates this tension that somehow these material sense that I have, these uh, desires, these 
longings yeah. <laughs> could be seen as... Not spiritual. Right. For example, in the list, he includes hatred, mm -hmm. jealousy, mm -hmm. rage, selfishness. I, I mean, I, I, it was interesting the other yesterday, in fact, while I was walking down to the gym, I was listening to a podcast by Ezra Klein. And in there, he actually talked about the benefits of jealousy. Oh, yeah. which are? Oh, that's interesting. Because he says when you're jealous of another person, you're seeing that person probably in a way that in how they are interacting with another versus you. Mm-hmm. And so that creates this sense of jealousy that you're seeing them in a in a different perspective because of the person that they're interacting with. And he says that can be an actually a good thing. How? Well, instead of feeling like they have you have to own everyone that this person mm -hmm. in your life, you have to have all of their attention, you have to know everything about them, mm -hmm. all of a sudden you realize there's dimensions of them that are beyond your knowledge. And when you see them in a different setting, all of a sudden it's like, wow, <laughs> I never realized this about this person. And he said, huh. that's a form of jealousy. But instead of seeing it as a negative, he sees it as a positive, if I'm understanding him correctly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So again, that. but when we talk about the flesh and the spirit, typically within Christianity, it almost creates this dichotomy that is so great that it can't be overcome. Yeah, it keeps us alive. Yes, but it also keeps this tension in our lives, this feeling mm -hmm. of guilt. If I'm jealous, according to this, that's a work of the flesh. Therefore, that's not good. But, it, but if we can allow the spiritual and the material, or what Paul would say, the spirit and the flesh, to actually coexist, yeah, maybe some of the things that he talks about, such as murder and drunkenness, and rage, maybe those things would not come to fruition if we could accept all those different aspects of what it means to be a human being. Hmm. Maybe. What do you think? Yeah, I would, I would agree. I think it's super hard, though. <laughs> in hard in what, hard in what well, way, though? Like, um... Just living in the, it's another comfort thing, living in the tension. Yeah. Who wants to do that? <laughs> yes, agreed. I, I think you're right. I think that's where it comes into play is, but I'm wondering is, did we create the tension or was the tension inherently there? Mm. Going back to Peter St. Andre, when he says, the reason why the spiritual element of human life has been so long ignored in modern civilization is simply that it has for so long now been misdirected towards the supernatural. Hmm. I think what he's arguing here yeah. is this idea that when it comes to the spiritual, we immediately think of something supernatural beyond nature. Above nature. God. <laughs> but, it, but is that, again, yeah, that's a good thing. Is that a good point? Is God seen as something beyond nature? And if it is, then it, it creates that tension because I'm living here in nature. Below it. 
And yet God therefore is beyond above nature. Mm-hmm. And I'm supposed to be more spiritual, therefore, and the nature part is seen as bad. So it creates this this difficulty. Tension. Yeah, this tension. I think what he's arguing is that if we could see the spiritual is intertwined with the natural. He says yeah. again, he yeah, says, yeah. for example, God created the universe can mean on a natural interpretation, there is a divine element in the relation between man and the rest of nature. Just as man is made in the image of God can mean that there is something divine about human beings. Just Which, like the charismatic tradition. Yeah. So divine I, plus human cooperation. Right. And I think that's what's so neat about this possibility that Bill Nelson was talking about, you know, 30 years ago mm-hmm. was this possibility that what is around us is spiritual mm-hmm. and we can't separate them. You can't pull them apart. Otherwise, right. you it's like he was saying is if you pull them apart, then you're not going to be in harmony. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe that's where the idea of balance comes in that you talked about. He uses, I think he was the one who used the word harmony. Yes. Or like, I don't know for yourself when you felt and did you feel an inner calling to become a pastor? Man, I wish I could tell you that it just all of a sudden hit me. No, no, I I was at a very young age. I ended up, um, our family was good friends with an individual who was a minister Mm -hmm. and I idolized him. So at the age of six and seven, not knowing what I was probably fully saying or doing, I wrote in the back of my Bible, when I grow up, I want to be a pastor. Yeah. And I was six, seven years old. And the only reason I wanted to do that was because of this man. But that man showed me something. It stirred something up in you, right? Exactly. He, he was a kind of man that I saw that could go out and water ski and have a great time and have fun. Mm-hmm. He was an airplane pilot. He had a, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he just had this amazing life. life beyond being just a pastor. Yeah. And yet he was also very caring. Compassionate. Uh, compassionate. And I think he blended the two. Yeah. And I think that's the beauty of what Bill was trying to do in this sermon mm. was he was trying to point out that we don't need one or the other, that we can actually blend the two. And I think that's why sometimes there is one part of the sermon that I left out where he talks about that we tend to live as Christians with mm-hmm. a future world in mind. Yeah. Salvation. Exactly. Something beyond the world. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what creates this disconnect. And I think that's what one of the things that Bill was, was dealing with. And that's why I find Savonarola so fascinating. Can you say his name again, please? Savonarola. Oh, <laughs> Sorry. Are, you are mean. <laughs> Savonarola. Um, the monk. The, yes. You know, actually what was he was trying to do is he was trying to build up 
this ideal state in Florence. What do you mean? A perfect city, a perfect, oh. and it was going to be spiritual. Hmm. It was going to be completely built upon the spiritual realm. And that's why when it came to the art, yeah. he, he, one, one writer said that for the following, for, for Savonarola, edification is the main object of art. He will tolerate none which does not tend to be in the service of religion. So, I mean, you can wow. see this split that he was making. Extreme. Exactly. And he, so apparently he was the judge to decide what right. pieces of art were spiritual and mm -hmm. what pieces of art were material. Yeah, secular. He actually built seven different bonfires for the seven deadly sins. Wow, really? And sent out his men throughout the city to gather things. Huh. So if one was, if an object was falls into the category of greed, then it would mm -hmm. go into that fire. Wow. If it was lust, it would go into that fire. Wow. <laughs> but you could see his, his desire to purge society. Yeah. And I think the same thing happen, is happening today. How? <laughs> You know, the slogan, make America great again. Yeah. Is very obvious that it has, in my opinion, has mm -hmm. religious Christian undertones. Okay. In order to make America great again, uh -huh. it has to be Christian. It's not a country that is seen as being Christian and Muslim, and Jewish, and Hindi, yes. and Baha'i, uh -huh. it's seen as built upon Christian. Christian and so immediately, all of a sudden, you get this idea that that spiritual side becomes the governing factor to our laws and how we want people to behave. In the social atmosphere. Maybe. Well, think about the major social issues that we're facing right now. Cultural issues. Mm -hmm. What are they? Well, we have racism. Mm -hmm. We have, um, I don't know. Voting. Yep. Which ties into racing, uh, racism. Uh-huh. Abortion. Yes. Um, LGBTQ. Those issues. Transgender. Right. Laws around that. That might be racism. <laughs> but I think there's this sense that there is a spiritual thing that doesn't naturally exist in our world. And therefore, we have to modify the world to make it in line with that spiritual. Hmm. So, so for, there's still spiritual hunger is what you're saying. I don't know if it's hunger as it is as much this idea that we have to make America Christian because then God will bless us. So, for mm. example, back in May 17, 2020, so okay. a year ago, 63% of religious Americans 
believe COVID-19 pandemic is a message from God for humanity mm-hmm. to change. So again, think about that, that COVID is not seen as something that is naturally within our world. Yeah. It's actually something that is used by a supra or supernatural mm-hmm. <clears throat> into the material world mm-hmm. to make the material world more spiritual. So instead of bringing the two together, yeah. now it's this whoop that occurs. Intelligent design. Yeah, somehow that instead of seeing as God as being, as not God, but the spiritual in nature being, or God being all intertwined together, mm-hmm. it separates them. Yeah. Because intelligent design, what intelligent design wants to do is say that nature could not develop on its own. Evolution right. could not. So at certain points, this supernatural force intervenes. Intervenes. Right. And I think that's maybe what we're missing and that Bill Nelson was trying to to highlight for us. Yeah. Is that Possibly. the spiritual and the, and the material, nature, mm-hmm. is what it really means to live fully human. Wow. Now, the danger of that, some people would say, is what is called pantheism. Remind me what that is. The idea that God is everything. That God is the plant. That God is the the animals that God is but you said that's dangerous some people would say it is uh-huh. on the other side some people call what is panentheism that <laughs> that God is in everything and rather than God is everything oh I gotcha that's the difference okay and there's individuals who find a, a great deal of meaning in pantheism panentheism right. or whatever isms you want to do. <laughs> I think what Bill was challenging us was to think about the idea and he highlights the life of Jesus, that Jesus oh, was yeah. able to fully yeah. embrace a human life. Yeah. And he used the, the nature around him mm-hmm. to explain humanity. Yeah. To explain God. Divine. And to me, that's pretty powerful. It's very powerful. And it does definitely affect how perhaps we look at others. Hmm. I mean, confession time, okay? On the way here, I was in a hurry and... (laughs) You were speeding? No, 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 no. I got behind a car and they took forever to pull, uh, pull, you know, to forward. leave once the pull forward, once the light turned green, they were work. You could tell they were working on their, their, uh, their phone. Oh, okay. And then once they got going, then the speed was inconsistent because they were still on their on phone. Their phone. And when I went by, I was so, so wanting And here I am on my way to church, (laughs) but I so wanted to give them a dirty look. The nice thing about Arizona is with tinted windows, Uh that that doesn't work so good. (laughs) But 
But I felt this feeling of, I, I immediately dehumanized them. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what is if we can see the spirit within all things and really believed that, maybe it would impact how we see all of nature, the world, mm -hmm. and how we take care of the world, given the climate change that's taking place, mm -hmm. as well as what's happening over in Israel right now, yeah, in Palestine. Right. It's bad. I don't think they're seeing each other. Oh, not at all. Right. They're seeing each other as threats, as enemies. Right. Whereas if we can bring, and what this guy talks about, Peter talked about, I thought was so powerful, is that the spiritual aspect of existence cannot be divorced from the physical. Hmm. Sounds good on paper. And I think that's where it starts. A therapist told me one time, they said... Uh, it starts with knowledge. Hmm. And from knowledge, it is internalized into the emotions, into our feelings, mm -hmm. into the, the psyche, the core of our being. So maybe that's why there's value in having these monologues and these dialogues. Is it for sure gives people something to think about, something to ponder? Yeah. We'll be right back. Thank you so much for having spent this time with us, either on live watching us or if you're listening later through the podcast. As you go through the rest of your day and the rest of your week, I hope you'll be able to see that there is not this split between what is spiritual and what is natural. I think one of the disadvantages of having churches in the physical sense of form, it almost creates this sense of that is a spiritual sacred place and those other places are not sacred. I think the advantages of having cathedrals and churches and mosques and synagogues and other places where pe religious people gather is it highlights that aspect so that when you walk out into the world, maybe you can see things a little bit differently. And instead of seeing one as either sacred or material, you can see them one in the same. That's something to think about, something to ponder. If you did enjoyed this podcast and if you would like to do us a favor, we would love if you would share it with a friend. Go subscribe to wherever you get your podcast, subscribe, as well as not only sharing it with a friend, but if this somehow stirred something within you, please send us a note. Email us. Uh, you can email us at Janelle. Media at BeatitudesChurch.org. And we would love to hear from you. Also, one other thing to ask you, if, if you ever have any ideas that you would like to hear us talk about here on our Beatitudes Worship podcast, please feel free to share those also. Yeah. Take care. Have a great day and stay safe out there. Bye, everyone. <laughs>